0: The wait is over. The Walking Dead is back. Don't miss the extended 10th season featuring 6 new episodes, each focused on different favorite characters. Get ready for high-stakes showdowns, emotional reckonings, and more info about your favorite Walking Dead survivors. Start watching the latest season today and catch new episodes of Season 10 early with AMC+. Plus. From season binges and exclusive content to early access to new episodes, the best Walking Dead experience is only on AMC+. Plus. Get lost in the Walking Dead universe today, available ad-free and on demand. Sign up at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff.
1: Hey, it's Mark Roberts. Welcome to Let's Get Into Entertainment. It's is the business of entertainment. We're going to be talking to Susan Bonds today. She's the president and CEO of 42 Entertainment. Now, this is like high-level stuff. Like we're going to be talking about Imagineering from Disney people who create rides. The uh, smart people. The smart people, basically. How do you get these jobs? How do you become an Imagineer? How do you figure out how to build the ride, Indiana Jones, and entertain a bunch of people? That's what Susan Bond does.
2: I would start with, da-da-da, and say, okay, now we're going to do this. Dun, and now let going to now get
1: inspired. I mean, you know what? Maybe <laughs> that's how she does it, but uh, today we're going to get into alternative reality games, which is her domain. We're going to talk to her about Disney Imagineering, and we're going to talk to her about how she made her leap from industrial engineering to being a Walt Disney Imagineer. Yeah. Wow. And now the CEO of 42 Entertainment, Susan Bonds, coming up next. Oh, wow. All right, cool. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Get Into Entertainment. Uh Toody, welcome to the show uh, yet again. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got uh, David Dave on the ones and twos. Hey. Um look, I'm Very excited. We got to get right into it today because we've got a very cool guest. uh, Susan, uh, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. It's very nice to be here.
1: So Susan, I have to, before I start, I get into a whole thing with you. um, You were an industrial engineer at Walt Disney World. Is that right?
3: Yes. um, I went to Georgia Tech and as part of my um, paying for my college education, I got a cooperative education degree, which means you work every other quarter. And it just so happens when I went to interview for jobs, there was a job open for an industrial and systems engineer for Walt Disney World and the construction of a new theme park, Epcot Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. So, of course, I thought that's a way (laughs) to learn firsthand about industrial and systems engineering. So I'm very glad I took that job during college.
1: That's amazing. And you, uh, you worked at Lockheed advanced in advanced development projects. And, um, what, what I want to know is how you became a imagineer at Disney from where you were.
3: Well, it's very interesting, you know, uh, Ever since I saw Neil Armstrong walk on the moon, and we just had our anniversary of that on um, on the 20th, so um, ever since I saw that when I was a little kid, I knew I wanted to be an engineer. When I was you know, working my way through college and working on Epcot, I ran into these guys called Imagineers. And it wasn't just engineering disciplines, but it was also show disciplines, lighting and set design and painting and... Um, scripting and filming, and these guys were just so passionate about telling stories and bringing stories in a li- to a life in a way where people could experience them. And I was just really impressed with the discipline and, and the passion of people who were working as Imagineers. Um, and so, you know, uh, I had. Uh, uh, wanted to you know when I got got out, I wanted to get into aerospace, and I went to work for Lockheed and worked on a lot of really really cool things. But in the back of my mind, I just remembered that as such a positive experience. You know, I got to work on Epcot uh, from a year before groundbreaking to a year after opening day, and just seeing these people build a you know multi billion dollar world and bring it to life, it just really made a huge impression on me. So. It turns out that a lot of the skills that I was honing at Lockheed, working on small crafts, you know, very low quantity, high reliability, that translates into making e-ticket attractions. So I had moved out to uh, Burbank with Lockheed and right down the road in Glendale was Walt Disney Imagineering. So when we were kind of waiting on a project funding, I just kind of put my application in down there. It's kind of on a Wednesday. And by Friday, I was working there. Um, Michael Eisner and Frank Wells had just joined the company and announced the Disney decade where they were going to build, you know, Disney parks and attractions on every continent. And so I got to be a part of that that plan. And over the next decade, I got to build attractions everywhere and work on really cool, amazing New theme park ideas, and also work on concept development projects that were really outside of the box. So it was a great um, career jump. Yeah,
1: I mean that's absolutely uh, remarkable. I, I, uh, my, my uh, jaws on the ground. Um, what's, what's interesting about the people that listen to our show, uh, and what you know, Tody and I love to, um, lo- love to get into is the idea that, you know, we all have like superheroes, we all have our origin story. You know, we all had dreams when we were kids, uh, about doing something with our lives and, you know, life takes you in different directions and you move to Burbank, uh, or you go to, to work at Lockheed at Burbank and you're, you know, within a couple of miles of Disney, uh, and your experience with that, um, with building aircraft and having it be, um, what did you call it? High, uh,
3: High yeah, highly reliable. You know, so you know, safety is so important when you're creating aircraft. And as you might imagine, when you're designing a new ride system that's gotta work 365 days a year, guest safety is number one. Right. So having that right. discipline to think about safety was really important.
1: Right. No, it's, and and uh yeah, so so we we always talk about the different turns that people's careers take and and how they um you know make their choices and sometimes follow the road that they're on and you know we haven't had anyone uh like you Susan on the on the show that has done such incredible behind the scenes work because you know you don't have to be in entertainment to understand disney and to understand uh the high level of imagination that goes into their rides into their movies into their uh, into everything that they right. are as far as uh, entertaining families and 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 everything that they do so it's really cool to get a kind of a vision from in, from the inside because i know a lot of us don't think about um you know how safety comes into play at at the theme park right. or, or how um or how the importance of aerodynamics uh, um comes into play right. for for all of these rides that they put together, and you know, and my understanding is that you also worked or had something to do with the Indiana Jones uh, ride, which, by the way, is one of my favorite rides.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I actually you know started that project as the project manager and became the the creative head of that project through meeting a lot of really unique people, including George Lucas, um, you know, who created that IP and developed that IP, and really the the job assignment was to bring that movie to life, um, that movie franchise. And, you know, like many other people, I stood in line to see um, Indiana Jones and the um, Raiders of the Lost Ark and then the sequel to that and just, you know, fell in love with that world and that character. So one of the reasons why Im- Imagineers are called Imagineers is because it is like your imagination, what you can dream up, but you need technology And you need disciplines, show disciplines to kind of bring that experience to life. So it was a real education in the sense that we uh, created a brand new ride vehicle, a moving simulator through three-dimensional sets um, that had, you know, a six-degree freedom motion base on top of it. So like the ride vehicle in and of itself was an amazing imaginary invention. But then getting to live in the rich world of Indiana Jones and kind of bring those movies to life. Was a real uh, a real treat, and there were so many disciplines that were involved in that. Everything from you know scoring with a ninety-piece orchestra, that lovely John Williams music, that kind of let you know like when things were going to happen, and of course you know um, when to be uh, when to get your adrenaline pumping. Um, you know, all the way down to creating a new programming technology to program the ride on the track. Um, You know, uh, sets, lighting, special effects, um, audio, um, binaural sound, you know, directional sound, you know, a lot of interactives um, as you kind of went through the queue to get down to the ride, to the ride um, building itself. So it was an amazing opportunity to work from beginning to end on something um, that, you know, people have now enjoyed for it opened in 95. So you know, it's been to almost 25 oh my years. Goodness. Yeah, so 25 I years. No so idea like, it's been that long. yeah, and it oh. does It feels like yesterday for me too, as well. But I think that's the great thing about Imagineering and the design discipline that you go through. Imagineering and and bringing emerging technologies in to really make magic. Because if you're noticing the technology, then we're not really doing it right. But you
1: have to be very aware of it in terms of what it can do and the magic it can create. I was gonna say it's uh you know, I, I'm I'm strictly coming at this uh from um from a father's point of view. But you know, when we go to Disneyland, <laughs> you know, when I go to Disneyland with my kids and we're waiting in line to get on any ride, but specifically, let's say Indiana Jones, you know, you're walking every step of the way you're walking through something that took a lot of thought, you know, there's, um, you know, you're walking through caverns, you're, you're seeing hieroglyphics, you're, you know, you're seeing a bunch right. of things that all, first of all, make you feel like you're in a different place, you're in a different country and, and also are, are sort of preparing you for, for the ride that you're about to go on. And then you get on the ride and then it's, then it's a whole visceral sort of thing, which is, uh, which is pretty amazing. How long does it take? Like, I'm guessing it, there's tons of people involved, uh, art directors and, and artists and, and oh, yeah. um, you know, uh, but how long does it take to get from an idea like, Hey, let's do Indiana Jones to I'm an, I'm writing it with my kids.
3: So, you know, it can take anywhere from three up to seven years, depending on the ride innovation that's involved in the vehicle itself. Um, But I will say that what what brings a a diverse team of people together to create something like Indiana Jones is really the whole idea of immersing you into entertainment. And I know that that's something that, even though the Indiana Jones ride has been open for 25 years, I know that's something that was very much on Walt Disney's mind when he created Disneyland. It's like, how do I immerse you in a world where you can leave your everyday world behind and you can go to a place and really dream? So you know that was our goal when you first stepped into, uh, or turned into the queue to go into Indiana Jones. It's like you're walking for quite a bit because the ride, the ride building itself is actually was out, you know, out in the parking lot, out past the berm. So the queue itself is is quite a, wa- a ways. But we wanted you to take you through that very same journey that you that you experienced in the movie. So you know, yes. You're in the lost Delta plains of India in the night you know the late 1930s and everything is designed from the props to you know the architecture to like you said, there was a language. We actually made up that language and then there's actually hidden oh, messages question. as you go down through um, through the queue there's hidden messages for you. and of course, and since you have kids, you know, one of the great things you know bringing a little humor into it is like, all of the booby traps were, you know, there was a lot of signage around saying, don't touch this, don't pull this, don't do this. (laughs) Of course, knowing that the kids were going to do it. And that's, that's kind of the, the fun of it is that the kids are indie, and, you know, the parents are, are Sala saying, don't touch that, you know? So, you know, that's kind of the fun, funness of going on a ride like that. But yes, there's a lot of disciplines involved, but, you know, I think that having the focus of what is the immersive experience, what's the story that I'm taking people on, what's the journey that I want to take them on, it's all in that sense. Um, the that's the focus of the project, and as the creative head of the project, that's what you're literally explaining to people, much like a movie director or you know um, any you know any other kind of immersive entertainment, is you're constantly t- conveying the vision to people so that even if you're putting grates on to cover up the audio speakers, you know, okay, well, I can't break this world. You know, I have to be in the context of this world. Or if I'm building a ladder, I'm going to build it out of white, goat, white oak because that's what they had in 1938. So it's really getting everyone to buy into this idea of, of building an immersive world. And that, I think, is what's exciting about the new types of entertainment that are coming up is now we have the ability to create even more immersive experiences that kind of, um, you know, put you in a different place and can let you walk in the footsteps of someone else or experience something firsthand that you couldn't really physically travel
1: to. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, yeah, I, I, um, it's, it's an amazing, um, it's an amazing thing to speak to someone like you and to have, um, you know, the people listening, which, you know, entrepreneurs and and people in, in that want to be filmmakers and get into the business there are many many types of jobs and businesses that keep you in the creative space and um you know are potentially as satisfying if not more satisfying than making movies or making television uh or anything like that because really it's all about the entertainment of families and about and of human beings you know people just uh getting mm-hmm. lost and um and getting into a story that's not in their everyday world you know it's almost like um it's a wish fulfillment you know you get to be Indiana Jones, or travel with Indiana Jones, or you get to uh, you know travel right. into Jurassic Park. I used to uh, have an office on, at Universal Studios for seven years, and um, when it wow. was yeah, when it was a little more lax, uh, I could sneak into the park. And if I was sitting there, <laughs> and if I was sitting there on a thir- you know Thursday afternoon three o'clock, the office you know we'd all jump in the car and we'd all break into Universal and we'd run down to Jurassic Park and jump on that ride. And then you know you mentioned John Williams, he also wrote the score for Jurassic Park, we would jump on Jurassic right. Park. And by the time we came off of Jurassic Park, our adrenalines were pumping and we were, <laughs> we were excited to be back at work and, and trying to figure out what else, uh, what else to do to get our scripts uh, produced and get our movies made or how to find new inspiration. But I do. Yeah. I do want to say that, first of all, congratulations on, on the amazing work that you did with Disney and, um, you know and in your oh, life you. prior to that i know that you know we're going to get to more stuff that you, that you've done because uh, that's that's only the beginning of of your career but um but that's uh, that's an exciting piece of of uh, of creativity that you brought to the world and just want to thank you for doing that um but as uh, as life went on you know you you got into other things you got into I want to get this right because I don't even know what it is. It's called Alternative Reality Game. Oh, no, Alternate Reality Games.
3: It's Alternate Reality Games.
1: Alternate Reality Um, Games is what you got into. Yeah. So I, I I mean, I I don't, I I read that. I don't even know what it means.
3: So, um, one of my, in my last few years at Disney, I was, we were really working on, you know, how are we going to push the internet and how are we going to get, um, I'm, you know, digital involved in our attractions, which have to last, you know, decades. And so we were playing around with a bunch of different ideas. And one of my last attractions was mission space at Epcot. And, uh, it's four people in a capsule on the end of a 20 foot arm. And it's like a real centrifuge. It's like uh, vertical travel, just like the astronauts train. And I wanted the people in the capsule to work together, um, to be able to affect the outcome. And so I started looking at different engines for you know displays, and I started looking at gaming engines, and started looking at gaming and how interesting it is that you know when you go through a theme park, um, it's a really it's immersive experience, but you know you can't really affect what happens because you've got to get two thousand people through an attraction in an hour. So I started looking at gaming where they're creating an immersive world, and you really program it. Um, and this is a, this was, of course, prior to mobile phones, because now we program our entire lives on digital devices. And uh, I started looking at, at gaming and just how the the free will and the decision-making ability to go through a world and experience in the way you wanted to and um, at your leisure was kind of really, really interesting. So I actually left Disney to make a massively multiplayer online game. Um, around the property called Mist, which was a very famous PC game. And uh, in that, it, the 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 world itself was a, a story of an ancient civil civilization discovered from a book in the San Francisco library. And it was a very, very popular PC game because families could play it together. And it was more about uncovering a mystery and exploring and doing a lot of really cool things. So, we were going. We built our own, you know, real-time 3D engine, and we were going to make a massively multiplayer experience around this world. And as I was doing that, I met up with people who were coming out of Xbox and content creation on Xbox, and also former Disney Imagineers. And we s- started saying, "Well, what if you use the world as the game board, and it didn't have to be completely virtual? What if you could use the digital devices that you had at your hand, whether it was..." A tablet or a cell phone or your PC or or your you know your social network, whatever what if you could just use what people are already using and give them rabbit holes to go into an alternate world and have an alternate reality experience. That's just one step away from the real world. and you just just like you when you step into a movie theater and you sit down in the seat, you go to another world. Here you could put those rabbit holes all over. When people go down, they're in an alternate reality. So that's kind of where the idea came from. It came out of massively multiplayer online gaming meets, you know, theme parks because the experience is all around you, meets the really the emerging technology experience of everyone having multiple devices. So that's really where it came from. And an alternate reality game is just, you know, has a very similar mission. It's trying to bring a story to life and be immersive in a way that uses digital and physical. So it's really just kind of a an interesting experience that you can have. Um, you know that that again is multi platform and even ekes out into the real world. So. That's the that's the Can long-winded you, definition
1: of an alternate reality no, that's game. That's okay. Look, um, believe me, I, and and I still don't un- quite understand it. But um, it, is there. It, does does this uh, multi-platform world uh, go into VR at all, or is it is it all um, online? Well, there's there's a game my kid plays. I can't remember what it's called. Do you remember that game? They, it's, it's a new game that everyone's playing. What Fortnite? Fortnite. Yeah. Have Warner? you? Heard, is it like <laughs> Fortnite? Sorry, oh, I'm sorry. Is that is that
3: Fortnite, Warzone, um, yeah, Halo, so asteroids, yeah. So um, we actually did. So one of one of the first and most famous alternate reality games we did was between Halo One and Halo Two, and uh, right. those were at the time they were console games They were played on Xbox, and um, and what we so what we tapped into is the idea of when a game developer creates a, a game. They typically spend a lot of time developing a story world. Um, and in the case of Halo, they had 10,000 years of history that were, you know, that had been created and developed by the, by the creative team you know, around this world. That was the motivation for all the character design and the battle designs and the, everything from weapons to language to um, settings. Everything came out of this story Bible, this game Bible that they had created so an alternate reality game, um, which we, pl- we created a bridge game between Halo 1 and Halo 2, allowed you to tell a, a story in that world in a different format. So it wasn't a console game. It was actually an alternate reality game that anyone could play. And in this particular case, we had an alien, because Halo set 500 years in the future, an alien AI crash land back in the past on the internet and start building a communication network in present day. And because it wasn't as aware of what was happening on Earth, it built a communication network out of public payphones, which, <laughs> as we all know, wow. is a dying breed. So, the, the main mechanic of the alternate reality game is that you had to go out at certain times and certain GPS locations and answer public payphones to piece together basically a six hour radio drama. That was kind of like a a War of the Worlds-like story told in the Halo universe. And it played out over 16 weeks. It was a very amazing and immersive story. If you had played Halo, you knew that one of the things that was really important in the first game is that they didn't want to reveal the location of Earth. So during the alternate reality game, as you were kind of trying to help people in the future, in present day, you unwittingly revealed the location of Earth. So when Halo Two starts, the aliens are arriving at Earth, and you made it happen. So it was really kind of a wow. very fun um, game that was told in a very different way from the the Anchor Entertainment product, which is a console game. and uh, And people just kind of went crazy for it. You know, it was a game of the year, innovative game of the year, and it was just kind of this really interesting way. To tell, when you create a rich story world like that, then you can have multiple manifestations of immersive experiences that aren't necessarily they're attached to, but they're not exactly like the story of the movie or the story of the game or the story of the book. Um, So that's almost
2: creating it yourself. yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. So we're creating it ourselves. So just to kind of jump forward a few years, so one of the most famous alternate reality games of all time is a bridge. A bridge. Experience that played out between the last frame of Batman Begins to the first frame of The Dark Knight, and this was right. a, an alternate reality game where you could become a citizen of Gotham City, and you could you could interact with characters in Gotham City. You could go on missions for the Joker. You could um, you know help the police. You know um, you know pursue cor- corrupt criminals and people in the mob world. You could. Um, join a campaign for Harvey Dent, who was running for district attorney. So there were all these things that you could do every day in Gotham City. And it was like a virtual, um, you know, alternate universe, a uh, virtual and physical alternate universe that you could jump in and out of anytime for like 15 months, you know, before the movie came out. And, you know, people just loved it because, you know, you have decades of Batman fans who've always wanted to be a part of the world. And imagine having you know, a character from the world text you or call you or, you know, have you go on a mission. Um, you know, there was just a lot of attraction to just wanting to be part of the, the world and the story. So that, you know, that played out over 15 months and there were millions and tens of millions of people who were, got involved in it because they just wanted to be a part of that experience in that world.
1: That's an amazing, uh, that's an amazing business. Um, and, um, and you're right. You know, I, I, I think back, uh when i was younger and i and i you know my son always asks me if i played video games and there was just one time that i did uh, really get involved in one and i believe it was called uh, metal gear solid um <laughs> yeah that's, do you, that's a good game do you, yeah well i remember the game because i remember that you would sit there and you know then you know someone would come out and say like oh i've been looking for you and then she would you would you would be you know i think snake was the character but you would be there and then you know you'd uh, meet somebody and that person gave you clues hey by the way you know I'm, we're rendezvousing here and we've got to go find these people and we've got to save whoever and uh and i remember it being super exciting and um and you know i, I couldn't get into it further just because i don't know i you know some people are are can do that for hours and days and weeks and stuff. Well, I
3: think one of the one of the great things about gaming, and we're seeing it now with open world gaming, like you know uh, Fortnite and Warzone, is that you know you can go in and with you know accomplish something. You can feel a sense of accomplishment. And um, so when we were you know creating alternate reality games, we wanted to have people collaborate together and also feel a sense of accomplishment. Whether it was you know solving a distributed puzzle worldwide you know, to, you know, to get something valuable unlocked for everyone or going out into the real world and figuring out how to get the bat signal, you know, on a central building in New York City. So like that, that right. kind of stuff can happen um, in alternate reality games. And I think that, you know, we're, w- what's great about gaming is, you know, it can be, coll- you know, competitive and collaborative. Alternate reality games are inherently collaborative because you're trying to, unlock something you're trying to figure out the story it's almost if you know uh, remnants of us you know what happened are all around and you're a digital archaeologist you're kind of trying to piece the story and the experience together and so it's a very collaborative and what that we found millions of people wanted to be a part of that they wanted to you know figure out what's going on and it and it can be very immersive it can you know once you have to you know put on your jacket and grab your phone and go on to the real world and, you know, make something happen. Uh, it's very newsworthy too, because now you're doing something, uh, you know, in a fictional world, you're doing something um, in the real world. And so, you know, that kind of passion is just very, you know, enthusiastic and yeah, exciting.
1: It's amazing. So let me, let me ask you, uh, let me ask you this in terms of collaboration and, uh, uh, in the work that you do, do you uh, how, how does that work? I mean, I you know I always tell my kids you got to be really collaborative in this world. That's that's what's going to get you places. Is working with so many different creative people is it complicated? Is do you what kinds of issues do you run to if, run into if any?
3: I mean, I think that's a great question, and um, I think one of the things that you know people have uh, feel like they may have more of a handle on because there's been so many documentaries and you know, we've seen so many behind the scenes is, you know, the art of movie making. You know, movie making is a really, really special experience. And we know that there's a director and a producer and, you know, someone's controlling the money and someone's controlling the vision. Sometimes they're the same person and then they have to argue with themselves. But um, But, you know, we kind of know like all of the different, you know, disciplines and groups that come together to make a movie and it's really magical. It's the same with gaming and alternate reality gaming and immersive experiences. And you mentioned... VR and now AR, augmented reality is really kind of coming on the horizon. You know, there's a lot of tools that people have at their disposal, and it's really, but it really comes down to what is the story you're trying to tell and what's the experience that you're trying to bring to life. You know, when you think about Indiana Jones, you know, you think, okay, well, he's escaped rolling balls, he's escaped, you know, bugs and snakes and you know, dead, you know mummies, and you know, like, so you've got to think like, okay, what disciplines do I need to kind of make that happen, you know, every few seconds for, you know twenty four hundred people an hour. And so, you know, yes, you have to have mechanical engineers, you have to have structural engineers, you have to have rigging. You have to have people who can craft sets that can last. You have to people who create audio animatronic figures. You know, you have to have people who can record. Um, audio that sounds like Harrison Ford. You have to have people who can create music that's telling you about the creepiness of the environment that you're in. Sometimes you have to have special effects that create smoke clouds. So so there's so many disciplines. The landscaper who's creating 1938, you know, Delta Plains of India. There's so many disciplines involved, but what it really comes down to is what is that vision? And similar to a film, you also have a, you know, creative director and a producer and, or a project manager, you know, and so you're, there's this constant push and pull of like money versus creative impact and emotional connection. Um, But, you know, but it's really about getting all of those different disciplines, whether you have four people in a crew or 40, or if you have like Indiana Jones, there's 400 people, you know, who are crafting that, you know, it's about being able to convey that vision And what is your vision for the project? What it is that you're trying to do and what's, and you have to know as a creative, what's the most important thing about it? You know, what is the, what are the moments you can't give up on? You know, and so, cause sometimes technology will get hard or our process will get hard or relationships will get hard. There's so many things that can get involved in a creative project, you know, so you have to be able to power through on the things that are most important. And I think you see that, you know, when you, when you go to a movie, um, And we were just recently talking about Parasite and we were just saying, you know, that was such great storytelling, but, you know, the casting, the acting, the sets, everything about that really gelled and came together. There was a real vision there. So I think you can tell when projects, whether they're gaming projects or film projects or immersive entertainment projects or if you go have a VR experience or a room escape experience or, you know, all these different things that are coming on the horizons with augmented reality, I think it comes down to understanding from a creative perspective what is it you're really trying to do what are you trying to connect with an audience um and oh. that's that'll help you as you're dealing with different disciplines whether you know exactly what they do or not um i can't say i definitely yeah. you know know where um, I had a question, Susan. yeah go ahead
2: i was working on a project a while back and we were going to do um dean martin and his estate signed off on it and it was going to be a hologram and he was going to uh-huh. appear for the first time on screen in 30 years. So we met with some. Oh wow! Yeah, we met with some people who knew what they were doing, and um, it, the the project fell through. It just got too big for me. But uh, how how close do you see that coming? Because these people said it's here. The technology's here to really make it look legit.
3: So I think digital humans is a field that people have been working on now for almost a decade. So I think there are some people who are very close. And then there's um, there's a lot of trial and error that's already been gone through. And that always hones a discipline. So I think we're really close to digital humans and digital performance. And that can really transform so many things. I mean, you think about this crazy world we're living in. Where you know people got to be in their home and they can't go out to a movie theater, they can't go out to a a Broadway theater, they can't go to a music venue. That could you know could really be transformational, you know having having you know seeing seeing Elvis or Steve Martin or whoever perform in your living room. I'm up for that. Well, how about this?
2: My a buddy of mine is like a, a startup guy, and he I was telling him about my film, and he started saying, "Wouldn't that be great?" have teachers like that for the homeschooling because kids aren't able to go to school.
3: I mean, um, yeah, you know, and uh, I think that whether it's enterprise or entertainment, I think that, um, you know, when you look at projects like um, HoloLens, which Microsoft is developing and, you know, they're focusing on enterprise for this first decade and that's, you know, where you could see um, just to think about surgery and having someone who's an expert in a surgery be right there with you in the room while you're performing a surgery, or you think about education or architecture or teaching, you know, ed, you know, like what you were talking about, remote teaching. I definitely think that um, that technology, kind of more than almost anything, you know the promise of augmented reality is that we're going to be able to go places that we can't physically go. But I think the promise of digital humans is that you can have, emotional connection on a different level um you know when i was making the indiana jones adventure we were always talking about well how do you break the ride envelope you know how do you get that immersive experience closer to you you know and we were doing like air darts and you know all kinds of things to try to kind of like break the plane of the vehicle without violating safety um i think digital humans are going to be able to bring emotional moments to life you know imagine being in front of the lincoln memorial and hearing the i have a dream speech and being able to see dr king that'd be so powerful right you know so i think that there's yeah. many many fields both enterprise and entertainment that are going to be affected by augmented reality and digital humans and i think that's the next great frontier so when you're thinking about well what brings that to life there's actually people, a lot of people from gaming who've created avatars of people, whether you play yourself or you play another character. So they know a lot about how to get photorealistic avatars of people. And I also think that, you know, there's a lot of traditional show disciplines that are involved in creating a performance, whether it's a spoken word or or a concert or, you know, uh, dance or what our education, whatever it is. So I think that I also feel like, you know, i not just trying to look at the silver lining of our recent lockdown experience, but I think, you know, uh, teachers are are on a large scale now looking at technology as a friend and not necessarily a villain. And so I think that'll help usher in, um, you know, more innovation in that area.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I think, um, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, look, it's uh it's a remarkable, um, business to be in it's um there's it, it seems endless how it could be used in uh, all sorts of uh, industry um education the works um i want before i, I want to ask you a really important question which i believe our listeners will want to hear but uh i want to i don't want to leave without saying here that you worked on um halo 2 dead man's Tale for disney's pirates of the Carib- caribbean dead man's chest um year zero <laughs> I remember that the 9 inch nails thing? Yes. Um that was awesome. Dark Knight of course, which was uh juggernaut and every, we well, we we well, all watched that and been uh and my I think my kids have played that. Um but so it, it, if you have an aspiration to be in this amazing business of the future um and you have any aspirations to be an Imagineer uh what 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 road uh, do you take or is there no road?
3: Oh, well, that's a great question. And first of all, I want to thank you, Mark and Tuddy for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, one of the great things about the power of entertainment is it can make you dream. And um, I think what you, what you guys are doing through this podcast is trying to connect dreams to practical steps that you could take, you know, to get on that path. And, um, you know i think that you know i'm going through this now you know with with kids who are like do i go to college or do i get into a field um one of the greatest things to me that experiences that i had was the cooperative education program so like i felt like i wanted to be in a certain field but then i had that practical work experience where i could say am i really good at this you know are the people around me is like this is is this really what i want to do and uh, for me the answer was you know a, a very big yes but i think internships and really, you know, getting involved with people who uh, you are aspired, you know, they, they have, um, they've achieved something that you aspire to and you think, Oh, I could be good at this. It's like, okay, well start interning, start, you know, start networking, start getting practical experience as well as, as, as education. You know, I think the practical experience for me um, you know, was just as valuable as the education that I got from Georgia Tech. So there was critical thinking, but then there was also the practical experience of like, well, where would I ever use this? It's like, actually, no, right. you are going to use this. Um, So I think that's the thing. And, and, you know, that's why we really encourage internships. And we, you know, when we see people with talent, we really encourage them. And, you know, I would say our company is a mix of people who you know, uh, went all the way up the education chain, and then people who just stopped after high school who are just immensely talented, you know, and were at the right place at the right time. So I think it's really, it's really finding people and projects. Um, the last thing I'll say is that work on stuff that you're passionate about. Yes, you have to pay your dues, but like. If you work on stuff you're passionate about,
2: your work will be better.
1: See, Tony, work on things that you're passionate about. So put that's all that all other I adrenaline do. you stuff discourage down. Me I from can't that. even believe <laughs> you, you say,
2: mate. They have to make money or forget it. High concept.
1: Well, I, I,
2: <laughs> that's all you tell me. That's um, how. That's like uh, I go to bed with that. I wake up with that. You wake well, up in a cold sweat, sweat thinking
1: about making money. Um, no, but I do. Use the Instagram. <laughs> I do want to say about. Well, I,
3: here's, here's a secret. You can work on stuff you're passionate about. And still make money. Both of those things can be
1: true. You know what, Susan? You you just made uh, Teddy's life. I don't think he realized that those two things went together. I got a good story for you. No, hang on. So, but Susan, I do want to mention your company once again. It's Forty Two Entertainment. You are the CEO, and for uh, all of the obvious reasons, I want to thank you for uh, putting us all together and saying like, oh, you know, filmmaking and what you do is all the same. But I got to tell you. I, um, you know, I, I am a filmmaker. I've made, you know, quite a few films. And when I wa- when I watch these video games that you're talking about, when I, um, see my kid playing them, they are, uh, they are so much more than I could ever imagine producing. Um, the, the levels, the depth that they go to and the, the storytelling, all of it. It's absolutely, uh, it's incredible. And, uh, and I just want you to know that it's, it's been a pleasure having you on uh, you had an incredible well, career. I'm sure you've got tons of uh, more things to do and hopefully we can have you back. You could tell us more about it, but this is uh, there's so much more to talk about, but, uh, but we are, we've run out of time and time. And I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just grateful that you were on.
3: Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it guys. And all the best
1: to you. All right. Thank you. See you thank soon. Thank you, Susan. Great to meet you.
3: Nice to meet you too.
1: Wow. Having uh, Susan on was a little different. Susan Bonds, by the way, uh, than a different type of guest that we've had. Totally different. Makes you really think about uh, what's possible for your life, for your kid's life, for the people around you, for the people who are listening. You you could do anything in this world. You got a
2: big backyard right here, Robert. Thank you. Let's do a a Felice Navidad Actually, this is um, I, I, this is this go is, kart ride. <laughs> this backyard uh, was At imagined by
1: it. my by my wife Anne. So oh, I can see is, that. This is an imagine- it's beautiful. It's imagineering, yeah. right? You put that over there. You it. built the uh, stadium there, and there's lots of going on here. But no, let's go back to Susan Bonds, dude. Susan right. Bonds was amazing. Um, I, I, I there's so much more I want to talk to her about. It's just not enough time.
2: Let's have her back on.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to have her back on. And I want to go look into a lot of these games. I mean, I've heard of them. I've seen them played. I I think I've tried to play them on occasion. But uh, but I think the most remarkable thing for me is the idea that, you know, there's people out there thinking about how to entertain the world, how to entertain families. And you never think about it twice. You know, you go to Disneyland, you go to Universal, you go to all these theme parks. Um, You know, I'm thinking about uh, the park that they have at Disney World, which is... um, you know, you stay in the hotel and you overlook um, the savanna, basically, yeah. and you have uh, giraffes coming up to your balcony. And you go you go on a ride and you see um, the animals facing you, almost like you're watching a movie. And all of that had to be imagined. Uh, all their rides, everything for safety, for speed, for aer- for aerodynamics, for storytelling, as you're even walking into it, waiting in line for an hour and a half, two hours, three hours when you wait for cars. Uh, all that had to be figured out. And, um, and her and the great minds of Disney and the great minds of Imagineers and people are out there doing this kind of work. And it's, uh, it's, it's inspiring and it's amazing. So I want to thank her. I want to thank you guys for being here today. Thank you. And um, shoot, man. I want to finish off by saying I did just do Feliz Navidad. We are locking picture this week.
2: Um, Damn, that's a turnaround. Yeah. That's legit. That's wow. when you got money, baby. Yeah, I, like I
1: feel it. I feel Let it. me tell you something. It's amazing that we were able to lock picture. I'm going to I'm going to credit Paula Hart. I'm going to credit uh Melissa Joan Hart for directing and and really getting us as and much footage. A distinguished man. A distinguished man <laughs> was incredible in it, which was uh, Teddy of course. You look out for that for I that. I got you as a Betty. Look out for that uh cameo. But um but we did. We locked picture and um, I used a bunch of extreme extrememusic.com cues Perfect. in my rough cut and it looks like we're going to end up keeping them. See, so that's the incredible thing about using, uh, extrememusic.com is that I went through, I picked up, I picked up all of these songs, uh, put them in the, in the bin. I used them in the movie. Everyone liked them. I called up Russ. Russ said, Hey man, let's make a deal for these songs. We made a deal. And now uh, we're going to keep them in the movie. And there was some great Christmas a cappella songs that I've been using for different scenes that really set the tone. There's some romantic things. There's some all kinds of Christmassy Latino stuff that I put in. And uh, by the way, I'm just saying this because I'm really impressed uh, because I know I preach about it a lot on the show, but I did it. I, I definitely put my money where my mouth was. I did exactly what I tell people to do on the show. I went. I picked the music. I put it in the in the movie, and now it's going to stay. Yeah, you know what? I want
2: to give a shout out to Mike Jones, aka Jones Thug and Harmony. You knew that is, Davey Dave. Oh, I don't. Play. Mike Jones at Extreme Music. When you sign up, he has no idea that they're our sponsor or anything. But I signed up to get an account, and he he reaches out via email and uh, will like give me little pointers and I'm, he's there for Mike me, Jones, Mike Jones. He's with Music. is he related music. to
1: Tom Jones? No fool.
2: He's uh <laughs> he's, he can go, he's on extreme music. He's AKA Jones thugs and harmony, but I'm saying that's the customer service right. that extreme music has. So
1: this isn't even about Russ. This is about someone that's about works, his company. Yeah. About his company. Extreme and music, they're, they, even, they so are. it's not just him. He's not no, the best. They're, no, no. they're great.
2: They're great. And if and and they'll he, take he care of little you. things, just a heads up, just in case you haven't th- noticed, he goes into like, different type of uh things no, that they offer
1: no one contacts me and i've well, been with them for you, years you don't years. know you don't know what's up
2: with jones thugs and harmony wow mike jones shout out mike right, looking. There thank,
1: thanks thanks for right. thanks to russ thanks for mike and uh thanks for extreme music.com for all your music needs thank Love you guys it. for being here thank uh maddie and uh amanda over at jam street media and we'll see you next time on let's get into it
0: The wait is over. The Walking Dead is back. Don't miss the extended 10th season featuring 6 new episodes, each focused on different favorite characters. Get ready for high-stakes showdowns, emotional reckonings, and more info about your favorite Walking Dead survivors. Start watching the latest season today and catch new episodes of Season 10 early with AMC+. From season binges and exclusive content to early access to new episodes, the best Walking Dead experience is only on AMC+. Get lost in the Walking Dead universe today. Available ad-free and on demand. Sign up at amcplus.com. AMC Plus. Only the good stuff.
3: What's new in podcasting? Here's what we love, courtesy of Acast Recommends.
2: I
0: love a Lifetime movie. Hey y'all, I'm Naomi McParrigan. And I'm her good friend, Megan Gailey. That's true. And we are the hosts of the brand new podcast, I Love a Lifetime Movie. A weekly pod that is as obsessed with Lifetime movies as you are. Yes, you are. Don't pretend
2: you're not, because you are. Every week, we are going to pick a different Lifetime movie and dissect all the drama, shocking twists, Mm -hmm. oh boy, are there some, tears, and the trials and tribulations of women that are just on the verge.
0: honey. These women are murdering, honey. They're having affairs, honey. And there is a movie called Psycho Granny. Okay, I'm done. Just, just subscribe. Just subscribe.
2: A cash recommends.